Football Made Simple. Become great at your craft by finding ways to make it simple for those around you. This is the Coaching 101 Podcast, hosted by Find A Way Productions. With your co-host, Daniel Chamberlain and Kenny Simpson. What's up, coaches? This is the Coaching 101 Podcast. I am Daniel Chamberlain. I'm here with Kenny Simpson. Coach, how are things in your part of the world? Oh, they're going pretty well. My little boy's um, about to have his 11th birthday, so we're getting ready to go to Chuck E. Cheese and do all that kind of stuff. But Absolutely. Uh, Chuck E. Cheese for the kid's birthday. That's uh, that's your strong man right there. That's great. So fireworks. We've convinced him that the 19th of June is we go to Little Rock and celebrate his birthday, but the reality is we go down there and I open up the fireworks store that I'm going to be running the next two weeks so there you go always making money <laughs> i like it well we are joined tonight by uh coach houston nutt uh coach if you don't mind why don't you tell us about yourself all right well um houston nutt i'm from little rock arkansas uh my mom and dad uh my they all worked at the arkansas school for death for 33 years my father was the basketball coach football coach track coach bus driver my mother was an english teacher and they met at Oklahoma State. And my dad played for two of the greatest basketball coaches in the world, Adolph Rupp at University of Kentucky and then Henry Iba at Oklahoma State. And my dad's roommate at Oklahoma State was Eddie Sutton. Uh, so there's a background there. And my dad's from Fordyce, Arkansas. If you And if uh, you keep up with sports, uh, I'm sure like a lot of your listeners, uh, Bear Bryant, that's the home of Coach Paul Bear Bryant was Fordyce, Arkansas, along with Larry Lacewell. Then not too far from there, Barry Switzer was from Crossett, Arkansas. So, so there's something in that water down there in that area. Uh, but uh, I was a very fortunate victim of circumstance because I got to be around two great role models, teachers, mom and dad that loved four boys. I was the oldest of four. And then I got to play for guys like uh, Frank Rolls, Lou Holtz, Jimmy Johnson, Eddie Sutton. Eddie Sutton's assistants were Pat Foster and Gene Cady, who went on to become great head coaches. So I just have um, a lot of great coaches that I had in junior high, high school, all the way up. So I was always around ball and uh, always thought I was going to be in the NFL or NBA or both. But that didn't work out. And so when that didn't, I went into coaching and um, was very fortunate there. Got to be alongside Pat Jones at Oklahoma State. And we had some great players, Thurman Thomas, Barry Sanders, Hartley Dykes. Mike Gundy was a quarterback who got to hand off and pitched the ball to Barry Sanders, and so uh, he made everybody look good. But um, had some great times, and um, also, as you all know, coaching, uh, there's always some tough times as well. So got to have a strong family. I have a strong wife. I have four children, and uh, just very fortunate. And um, appreciate you all having me on tonight. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's always an honor to have guys on with a, a pedigree like yours and a resume. Um, man, that thing is stout. Win an SEC Coach of the Year a few years there, right? And that, were those all connected? You did it three years in a row. I don't know if I did it quite three years in a row. I think they were spread out a little bit, but it was really a lot of good coaches, a lot of good assistant coaches, and a lot of good players. And it's not just always one guy, as you know. It, it takes a it takes a, 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 a entire team, it takes everybody, and uh, had some good luck and some good fortune. But we also had some great players. You know, we're real fortunate. Had some really good players that played extremely hard. And uh, I was very fortunate. The SEC is a very tough conference, as y'all know. 
uh, from top to bottom. Uh, it's the grind of playing each and every weekend. You got to be ready to go. And, um, boy, I just was, um, because of the influence that I have with the coaches, like Jimmy Johnson and Frank Broyles and Lou Holt, um, they gave me a lot of wisdom that I took from them. And um, when you recruit and you have good players and you get them to play hard, uh, it, it's some. It's the greatest feeling in the world. That's the thing I miss. I've been out of coaching 12 years now. And the thing you miss the most, especially when every time August comes around, boy, you miss that camaraderie with the players, the relationship with the players, and that competitive spirit on Saturday. Absolutely. Well, Coach, man, we're so glad you could join us and and uh, and really bless our presence, man. We're we're stoked to have you on. Um, Coach Simpson, before we get started here with the interview, why don't you tell us some ways we can simplify coaching for our staff and our players, of course. Sure. Yeah, I'll quit fanboying here for a minute and go ahead and make my announcement here. So uh, Coaching 101 Podcast is sponsored by Find Away Productions. Find Away Productions houses the Offensive Coordinator Academy, Defensive Coordinator Academy, and fbcoachsimpson.com, all coaching websites where coaches can go find whatever they want. If it's offensive materials, OffensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com, Defensive Materials, DefensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com, and finally, anything on the gun T offense, the 3-4 system, or 31 different coaching books or digital magazines, all at FBCoachSimpson.com. Over to you, Daniel. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so we are also sponsored by Adaptable PT. That's the clinic that my wife and I have started. Uh, she is the brains behind it. I'm just the guy that talks about it on a podcast or something. Uh, that is Dr. Samantha Chamberlain. She leads the charge there. She really is uh, big into PT 2.0, which is a lot about one-on-one -on -one care with your licensed provider. Uh, you should have the same provider every visit. You're not getting handed off or there with five or six other people. It's a very fitness forward approach, which means it's an emphasis on correctly dosing intensity uh, to make sure that you're getting the most out of your time and money and your effort. Um, also, excuse me, uh, Dr. Chamberlain is always learning. So much like people listen to these podcasts, that's kind of what she does in, in the world of PT. So she's always trying to learn the newest and, and best way to treat you for whatever it is. Her specialties right now are in geriatrics, um, athletic prep, uh, getting your athletes ready to go into the season. Um, and then that's injury prevention or if that's performance wise and then concussion uh, recovery. So, you know, she's kind of at the front of the, the pack now with the science behind getting back from concussions, you know, back in the day it was lock them in a bedroom and, and you don't let them turn the lights on or look at anything, and, and that's all kind of gone out the window. So that's where she's at big time, uh, Adaptable PT. We're in Grove, Oklahoma. Anybody in Northeast Oklahoma, Northwest Arkansas, we're probably within driving distance of you guys, and Dr. Chamberlain would love to help you out uh, with any issues you have. And, and also, uh, Adaptable, <laughs> put Adaptable Speed and Movement. Here's the problem with notes. Sometimes you write the same thing twice. Uh, <laughs> athletic Speed and Movement. That's at athleticspeedmovement.com. Uh, that's where... Joe Daniel and I have taken Dell Baskets 40 plus years of experience. We put it online for you to get to today. Uh, right now, level one is, is open for purchase. It's a 12 week program. It fits right into your season. We are working on an in season program, but really the, the, the base program can fit anywhere you want it. You need about 15 minutes a day, two or three times a week. Not a big deal. Um, fits in great with warm up routine. Uh, until July 31st, which the time this comes out should be uh, just a couple weeks or so. You can get the introductory price. We've got 50% off on that. So jump over to athleticspeedmovement.com and sign up today. All right. With all that done, Coach Nutt, 
We've got uh, we got a few questions for you, and there's no time limit on this thing, so we'd love to just we're here to pick your brain. So whatever time you got available, we'd love to use it up. Um, first and foremost, we're going to ask who were your coaching influences, and then kind of how did each of those instill something, or what did they instill in you that that you used in your coaching career? Yeah, I, I want to go back, of course, again with my father at Ar- at the Arkansas School for the Deaf. Uh, there's one deaf school in each state. I don't know if people realize that, and so it's not easy when you're coaching the hearing impaired. Uh, it takes a tremendous amount of patience and perseverance, and that's the first lesson that that I've learned uh, when you're teaching the the deaf children. And my dad was so good at because he came from a deaf family. And so that's where it all started for me. And then I had the privilege to have great uh, junior high school coach. name was Charles Ripley. He's deceased now. Uh, Joe Fred Young and Bernie Cox were my high school coaches, Clyde Horton. And then basketball coach, I had Eddie Boone. All these guys played a role, and we won a lot of championships. And then quickly, as I went to college, Coach Rolls was always always buttoned up, a southern gentleman. He, he coached the coaches. And I learned the really valuable lessons in recruiting being around Coach Frank Rolls. I was his last player that he signed and his last coach that he signed at the University of Arkansas. Uh, Lou Holtz came in uh, when Coach Rolls left. One of the reasons I didn't go play for Coach Paul Bear Bryant is because I thought Coach Bryant would retire first. And lo and behold, it was switched. Coach Rolls, he retired my first, my freshman year, and in comes Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz was a strong disciplinarian. I mean, toes on the line, buckle up, both chin straps. And, boy, he held you accountable. And he was so smart and so good. Great motivator. Jimmy Johnson was had a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of passion, always knew which buttons to push, always very good. Eddie Sutton had the three Ds, dedication, defense, and discipline. And those three were very, very important. So you take a little bit from each one. You know, you you can't beat Lou Holtz or Jimmy Johnson because the one thing you can't do, you can't fool an 18-year-old or 19-year-old. you got to be real. got to be genuine. got to be yourself. But I took from each and every one of them, though, you know, and uh, learned so many valuable lessons with these coaches and uh, was very fortunate to be around them and learn so much. And then uh, as you go, you kind of put your own you, your own thoughts in there. But you always you've always taken all my life, my father, the way he coached, the way Jimmy Johnson, all these guys coached. I got to watch them firsthand and coach alongside them. So I was very fortunate in that 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 area aspect of it. That's awesome. Um, you know, I know that in football, I feel like we see it more. We kind of see that coaching tree come to life, and it's usually scheme based, right? Uh, we see the air raid trees. We see the the old gap scheme trees. And so I think it's neat that you had not only the football side, but basketball and really got to pull from both. My mentor talks all the time about, you know, Bud Wilkinson is up there in my coaching tree um, mm-hmm. because he coached the head coach at East Central when when Kenny Ridley was there. And then Kenny Ridley was my coach. And now we're, you know, good friends and, and I'm a coach. So I like to think that maybe I'm pulling from the, the information in that family tree and, and using it in my career. But uh, it sounds like you you've remembered a ton of it, right? Like that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, no question about it. And um, you know, you you talk about basketball. I love when players grow up and want to play football and basketball and baseball. I, I'm I really I've noticed a lot of times, especially the last 15, 20 years, everybody's really tried to zero in on one sport. And I think the you know basketball, my basketball time has really helped my football. Football helped basketball. And and so I think it's important, especially when they're young, seven, eight, nine, ten, to let those guys play um, all different kind of sports. 
but there's a there's things like now there's a there's a lot of people they want to zero in on one sport just to do one thing and you do it almost year round you know and I think it's pretty hard you can get kind of get burned out on that as well but uh, there's a lot of different ways to do it as you know but. You know, I got to pull from uh, Eddie Sutton. I love the way he ran practice and he was organized. We were in great shape. And it's 94 feet of discipline, defense, being able to take a charge and all those things. But the thing about going from the that basketball court to football was, you know, you you'd helped your quickness, your agility. And you know what? You had to be tough. You had to be tough and hard-nosed. You know, a lot of times people say, well, basketball, you don't have to be tough. Well, say what, Eddie Sutton's practice, when you had Gene Cady and Pat Foster there, you better be tough. And be able to take a screen and and uh, dive on a, uh, the floor of that hardwood for a loose ball, you know, all those things came into play to me for football. So uh, I was just I love watching Lou Holtz. Lou Holtz was the guy that man he held you accountable and and what you saw on film. That was the, really the first lesson that I learned in 1983 when he would ask me who's coaching the fullback, and I had the privilege to coach his fullback, and I said I'm coaching your fullback, though. Well, he went the wrong way. He didn't step with the six-inch step. And you told me you wanted to be a coach. I'm watching this film, and he's not being coached. That hit me for the first time as a grad assistant, like, wow, am I really coaching? And evidently I'm not because he's staying on me every single day about it's not getting done. When you watch the film, that's you. That's what you're putting on film. And so that was a young man, hard lesson for me early on about what's on film is what you're coaching and it's your responsibility. It's easy to say, ah, oh, he just doesn't get it. Uh, coach, I went over that play 500 times. That wasn't good enough for Coach Holtz. You better go over it 1,000 times or 1,500 or, or you better make it simpler. you got to do something better to make this young man understand. So it's lessons like that that were so valuable. Yeah, I got a couple of notes, coaches taking stuff down. And uh, first of all, I'm a big Lou Holtz fan. I've read his book too. Uh, did a great yes. job with his book. But uh, we try to tell our coaches that just because you say it doesn't mean you coached it. And that's what it sounds kind of like what he was saying is if you're not getting through to him, you can talk to your blue in the face. I liked your other line about can't fool a kid, you know, being someone else. You know, I've got guys I look up to and I want to be like, but I'm not them. Uh, you know, you have a, a natural charisma that I'll never have. You know, so I can try to take some of that from you, but I can't make that be me. But I did have a question for you I was going to kind of lead into. And, and uh, Daniel, Norman does the questions on this, but I'm going to jump in a few because we got you on here. So I'm going to take, take advantage. Yeah. So you've been out for about 12 years now. So you've kind of – but you're still involved in the sport. I know you're still kind of around it. So the changes are hitting quick and they're hitting very, very fast, not just with the kids, but the way you have to coach them now. You know, I've – I've been around for a little bit, not as long as you have been, but the, the, it almost seems like warp speed with how the game is evolving as far as how you have to treat players to get them to buy into what you're doing. Uh, so what are some things that you're kind of seeing? You know, let's say you're coaching now, you have a head coach job you're walking into tomorrow that you probably have to be a little bit different than you were, say, 10, 12, 20 years ago. Right. Coach, that's a great question, and you're so right. Things are moving at a very fast pace. You're so right. Um, I do believe this. I do believe young people want two things. They want love and they want discipline. I really believe that. It's, that's to me from the start, and I think it's um, the same today. Now, what's different, and you hit it, is now you add the NIL 
I'll give you a great example. I'm at Chick-fil-A last year. They do a great job with this charity golf tournament to give away money for charities. And I'm on the first hole. Randy Etzel is my partner. Pat Narduzzi's in the other cart with Rick Neuheisel. And we get up to the tee on the first hole. And he says, guys, go ahead. He's on the phone. He meets us the second hole. And to make a long story short, we said, hey, Pat, what's the problem? He had a receiver, guys, that was a Blitnikoff Award winner named Addison. And he was on a trip at USC. Now, here's a young man that he coached, great relationship, won a lot of games, and he won the, the, the biggest award for receiver at the University of Pittsburgh, the Blitnikoff Award winner for having great hands and touchdown catches. And what's he doing? He's on the phone May 1st trying to convince his best player, don't go to USC. But here's the problem. USC had a million dollars. Can you match it? He was asking Coach Narduzzi, can you match this? Man, now that is a different world. I want players to have money. I always voted. We went to SEC meetings, Coach. I always voted. I wanted players to have money. And I thought that's what cost of attendance. If you look right now, they still get cost of attendance money, which each school is different. It's around $6,000 a year. Uh, you get another $3,000 from some kind of – Lawsuit on the video game, so that's nine thousand. Some of the players get Pell Grant money; that's another six, seven thousand. And you get all the food you want, the tutors, the education, room and board tuition. It's a good time to be a student athlete right now. But what would bother me is how are you going to manage that locker room when they know that that receiver is making a million dollars and that left tackle is going to be knocking on the door? Coach, where's my deal? Do I haven't had a chance to make some money? For example, if I had Darren McFadden, Darren McFadden coach would have Walmart, <laughs> Tyson. He would have every one of these, everybody, everybody would want a part of Darren McFadden to be on the billboard and he would make a tons of money. But in that locker room with what I would really worry about the most is the left tackle, uh, Felix Jones, the guy that's playing right beside him coach. Can I get a deal? So now all of a sudden, their minds are not on what's the scheme, what's our workout. It's, hey, coach, what deal can I get? It's a different, different world. Then you add the transfer portal. Add that in the equation. And you hit it, coach, just got through saying it, talking about coaching different. If you get on one, I would have to tell our coaches, if I was coaching a team, but, hey, guys, I want you to coach them hard. I want them to be coached hard. But I tell you what, if you get on one, you better go make sure you're in that dorm room that night because he'll put his name in the transfer portal. You can bet uh, somebody's going to get in his ear and say, hey, they don't really care for it. Come over here to this school. And you got that going on. So this is a different world, a different time. You mentioned warp speed. It is. It's it's fast-paced, moving. And I tell you what, all hands on deck. Coaches, <laughs> I, I, it's just amazing. When I talk to coaches, they don't like – most of them do not like the NIL. They want them to have money like we all do. But – this, to me, is a little bit different animal where uh, uh, things can get out of hand. This is a slippery slope. I've got my popcorn and Coke. I'm on the sideline. I'm watching this to see how this is going to turn out. Right. Exactly right. And, and the sad thing is, you know, Daniel and I coach the high school level, so we're not at, the, we're not at that level, but it's coming. You can see it coming. The kids yes. transferring and getting out, and it's, I mean, it's, it's working its way down. And who knows, maybe in the junior high in the next 10 years, who knows, you know, what kind of craziness we're going to see and – like you so, mentioned, it makes it tough to coach because I think about at a college, it may be a little bit easier, but what if you're at a high school and you've got a kid on an NIL deal making three times the amount more than you're making? And how, mm. does it, 
just the relationships that's going to be difficult. Yeah, Oklahoma <laughs> actually uh, put NIL into law last year for high school athletes, so we technically have an NIL system. I've not heard of anyone using it. I'm sure somebody is, you know, lo- real locally or regionally, just not around me. Um, you know, my only issue with the NIL, I, I'm with you, Coach. I think that kids need to be paid. Um, but the money didn't come from where I want it to come from. The schools, the NCAA are still making buku cash off of players, you know, and that's always been the issue where you're making all this money off, off their physicality and them getting hurt and them going through the reps, but they're still not paying them. Now it's the community has to pitch in. I'm a big OU football guy. I went to school there. I never played there. I'm not even close to that good, but, um, you know, so I have some some skin in the game there, and now people are telling me that I'm not a big enough fan. I'm not a true OU fan because I can't send in five thousand dollars a year to pay for the next mm. player's NIL package. And I'm like, well, at what point did my fanhood get brought into this? Because I, you know, it just put the they really put the load back in the fan base, and that I think that's unfair to us. And and the schools and and the NCAA are still walking out with all the cash. Right, right. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, I'm just, um, I, I'm, I'm just real curious, you know, to see, uh, what's going to happen. I've, I've already been told that there's been a couple of meetings of trying to put some laws and put some ceilings on this. And so it, it's just going to be real interesting to see which way this goes. And then coach, you guys were the architect. I'm a big Miami Dolphin fan too. So <laughs> the architect of the wildcat offense kind of came in my mind when DMAC was back there taking the snaps and going at it. And I think that most people probably don't give that the credit it deserves because now you're starting to see the evolution of, well, that worked really good. And that guy couldn't throw it at all. What if we put a great athlete back there now that can catch a snap and do both. And to me, you know, again, you've been out for about 12 years, but that seems to be the trend, even at the NFL level with, you know, your Lamar Jackson's and those type of players, you're starting to kind of see that. Do you think the game continues to evolve that way or do you think we see a swing back to more traditional passing or, or is kind of the genies out of the bottle now the RPO and that's where we're going you know right I, I think it's going in that direction uh when you look at the amount of points that's, that's being scored it's just unbelievable back in the day if you go back to 20 when I was playing for Jimmy Johnson and Lou Holtz you know one of our goals is hey just get to 24 points get to 24 points play great defense play great special teams we'll be good we'll have a great chance to win the game. Well, nowadays you can't just say 24 points. You better get on up there towards 40. And so that's where we are. Um, you mentioned Darren McFadden. You know, the thing about that is um, when I hired Gus Malzahn, he was using a lot of that, though, some of the Wildcat stuff. Uh, it wasn't until my brother Danny was coaching the running backs. and He knew Darren had played quarterback in junior high, and he knew that he had ball skills. He could hand it. He had a natural throwing motion. And I never will forget him saying, if you really want to make this Wildcat go, put Darren McFadden at the at the at the center point at the at the trigger snap. And and we said, Well, we're gonna put the quarterback, just move him out wide, let him play wide out. And then all of a sudden this thing took off because you take a direct snap to Darren McFadden, you got Felix Jones coming in lightning motion. And all of a sudden the eyes, coach, the eyes of the defense start moving. Like, whoa, where's what's gonna happen? Is he gonna hand it on a jet sweep? And then you're running the same plays. We're running the power and the counter in the inside zone. So the linemen, it's nothing new for them. That's what I loved about it. The reps were the same. It's just the direct snap and getting the timing of the motion 
uh, exactly right. You want the, the motion to be at that left tackle with the ball snap hitting it full speed and that natural ride. Boy, Darren did a great job with, with the transition of that ball to handing off and then faking it and then hitting it with the power. Then all of a sudden he, he's gotten them. And as you mentioned, it went all the way to the NFL. David Lee was our quarterback coach. He took it to the Miami Dolphins. And um, it's amazing what happens. It always almost the same for, uh, film. You asked Phil Foreman the first time we broke it out on him. He says, the eyes of our defense were just everywhere with the motion and worried about the jet sweep and then worried about Darren McFadden. And then you got to worry about a pass. And I, I tell you, it, it's amazing. And then you add a, a Patrick Mahomes nowadays. You look at these quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts and all these guys that are winning, they're not statues anymore. Uh, I love Tom Brady. But if you look at Tom Brady, well, that ball is out of his hands. He knows right where to go with it, and he knows protections. He knows all that. You got one of those, uh, great, awesome. And you have a good supporting cast. But when I see RPOs, when the linemen look like it's run, it's almost just so unfair. That's all I hear about the defensive coaches complaining, Coach, and I'm sure you do too, we got Lyman downfield two to three mm-hmm. yards, Coach, and we know it looks – it's run, but yet he's throwing the ball down the field. It's unfair. You know, so you're always getting that part of it. But I think that that offense is is here to stay. I think for right now it's full speed, that up-tempo, no huddle. But to me it comes back to this, guys. Who can run the ball the best? Who can stop the run the best? If, if you go back, I don't care if it's Pee Wee, junior high, high school, NFL, Super Bowls, the team that can run the ball, the team that can stop the run consistently are going to be world champions. And it just seems like it always ends up that way, even with all the, you know, highfalutin offense and the RPOs and all those things. It's wonderful. It's awesome. But when it gets right down to it, boy, to have a good four-minute offense and a team that can run it and a team with great defense, hard to beat. Absolutely. Another thing I kind of had going into that was – you know, you you, been, you brought up Gus Malzahn, who I'm a big fan of him as well, and obviously a guy that rose up from the high school ranks, and then he went to the collegiate ranks, and you mentioned your your quarterback coach was at a college and went up to the NFL. You know, I think a lot of people, when we, we watch football on Sunday, but a lot of times they're almost two or three years behind what's going on on Saturday, and sometimes the guys on Saturday might even be two or three years behind the guys that are playing on Friday night. You're starting to kind of see – I think a lot of it is because a high school coach, we don't get to pick who we have. We got to just kind of make up what we got and it wrinkles up, you know. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right, coach. There's so many times I went to Friday night football. I love Friday night football, getting my popcorn and Coke and watching and just watching the, from the enthusiasm and warm ups and things that they're doing. And you're right. So many of these guys are so good, so smart. And you can see they could fit right in on Saturday and could help a lot of teams on Saturday. No question about it. And same thing with the pros, as you mentioned. You know, you see a lot of that go. But, um, you know, the, the game used to be played in a phone booth, tighten everything up, you know, and two tight ends and three backs and just going at it one another. Good hard-nosed football. But now it seems like everything's from sideline to sideline. And the one thing that I've noticed, Coach, is you don't see as many – I don't see as many middle drills. I don't see as many live tackling anymore. Uh, and the ones that tackle in space, when I go watch uh, Georgia, Alabama, well, they're still tackling, I can promise you. So it's the ones to me that that tackle in space and 
still have that toughness to them. There, there's something about that element of the game. And again, with concussions and all these things that, that we're studying, uh, I think it's a fine line you know, to know how to handle your team. But I do know this. I think it's hard to say, okay, we're just going to go in shorts, go in shorts. Okay, Saturday, let's tackle to the ground. And you haven't done it. All you know, there's a lot of times I go to practice and man, they hadn't tackled in a long time. They've had one scrimmage. How in the world are they gonna tackle when the lights come on? And you see, you know, there's a lot of missed tackles. And the other thing you worry about is I think it's important that you teach hard of how to tackle, make sure a lot of them know how, but it's so easy when I see that head drop. I always worry about when the head drop, their eyes are not up, they don't see what they hit. And that's what we're talking about with the head concussions and uh, trying to keep everybody as healthy as possible. Good. And another thing I was going to see, you know, the next change that I, I see a lot, and I'm sure you do on your end as you're kind of evaluating all this, is the technology behind it now where, you know, we're having all the, you know, the the, the kids wear the, what are they, I call them the sports bras that track how fast they run, you know what I'm talking about. And then they have the, we have a little doodad we put on the quarterback's helmet that records practice. And it's just insane how much the game seems to be, at least the players are, I, and maybe it's as coaches that we're just we're trying to learn from former mistakes. I wonder if we're going too far with it, you know, but I do think there's some good parts of technology. What do you think of how that's really impacting the game? Hey, it blows my mind. I'm like you. When I go and I watch CBS last enough, they send me to different places uh, before the season got started. I've been with them going on 12 years. Uh, it blows the drones, the drones alone, you know, that filming up above, I'm thinking, holy cow, we got a drone filming one-on-one or a middle drill or uh seven-on-seven. And you mentioned, you know, that, well, they can count every step, every heartbeat. They're just so, the technology blows my mind. And I remember when, when I got let go at Ole Miss, Nick Saban was nice enough to let me come watch him practice for three days. It blew my mind uh, the the amount of attention to the little things that you're talking about, Coach. Uh, especially after practice, the, there'd be certain tables where a young man, if he's overweight, he ate at this table. If he's underweight, he ate at this table. And then at, after practice, I'll never forget, they had two or three ladies with these, like, shish kebab sticks. They're about a foot of sticks with apples, oranges, banana, peaches. I mean, we, we're going to get them about – 75 to 100 calories of fruit before they take a shower before supper to kind of get helps them with their uh, digestive system. Holy cow, I'm way behind because I never never had anybody tell me about that. You know, it goes back to what you're saying. The the technology and, and the the educational part of it with nutrition is at a con- completely different level right now. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, LSU just uh... – started their air conditioned helmet program this year, right? That's that's the new I biggest that. thing. I saw that. And I'm I like saw that. what what are you gonna do when your your five star defensive tackle <laughs> makes a great hit and it breaks his air conditioner? Um and also how much weight is that adding to the helmet? Has he got weighted gloves on now essentially? Is this a UFC fight but with the head? Like what do we where does this stop? Things are getting absolutely crazy. Unbelievable. I saw that. I saw that and I heard about it and I'm thinking Holy cow. Now everybody's going to be wanting air-conditioned helmets. and I'm really curious on how that works. I'm really curious. I hadn't seen that up and close. I hadn't seen that live. I'd like to see what that looks like. Uh, maybe they're just faking it. Maybe they're just trying to get everybody else, like, <laughs> thinking about weird helmets and changing technology. I don't know. 
Uh, Coach, we want to we want to jump on into um, talking about player discipline and relationships, and I and I kind of want to go back to something you just said, and you were talking about not as many live contact drills. You're not seeing you know these middle drills. We I talk all the time about get rid of the Oklahoma drill, um, and that's because every year I've seen a kid get hurt in Oklahoma drill, right? Uh, and I know that relationship, and not only with the parents, but I mean with the kid, but with the parents as well. We have to preach player safety and we got to have the evidence to back it up. What am I actually doing to keep Johnny safe? Because numbers are dwindling. Uh, you know, I've said multiple times now, Arkansas had a 4A team this past season that went eight man. Like right. you're, you're halfway up the, the ladder of the biggest schools and they're just like, hey, we can't get enough kids out to actually play an 11 man game. Um, and so I, what you're talking about, you know, there is that um, we still have to tackle. We have to be able to do it on Friday night but I got to have kids or I can't play the game either. So that fine line you're talking about, I kind of want to hear you, you know, go a little more into detail on that, where that is with the relationships and with discipline. I think this, an 18, 19 year old, or I don't care, 15, 16, whatever you're coaching, junior high, high school, college, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. I think that is huge. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so that to me is where it starts. That is so, so important. And once you get that, once they know that you truly care, I think now they're going to run through the wall for you. Now, as far as the, the physicality of it, I think you've got to be smart. And, and what I mean by that is that that's not to say we got to go tackle every single day. But I do know this. You put on pads, you can, you can have a live thud. You can wrap up. You can really teach good, hard fundamentals. You can be physical. One thing I loved about our teams is we we were very physical without tackling to the ground every day. And then when we did say it's live, hey, it's live, and it, it everybody got geared up. And when you go full speed, you're less likely to get hurt. Those times you get hurt, my guys got hurt is when you're kind of going halfway, halfway speed, halfway this. And that's when you got a problem. And so I, I want to go full speed, and then I want to pick and choose my times. And that doesn't mean every single day. But but uh, discipline, you know, to me, it goes back to that relationship. You know, I want them to do what's right when nobody's looking. But they also, uh, once I got one at my house, away from a dorm, away from a locker, away from the field, once I had them at my house and I've had their parents, you know, I've been in their living room, I, I, that's where I felt like I could get real close to a young man and let them know, look, I got your best interests. I want what's best for you. I won't try to reach every goal that you want to reach. But we've got the roadmap, and you got to do what I ask you to do. And so once that trust was there, once that bond was formed, that's when we took off as a team. And then I could have those seniors, you know, I could have my seniors as those leaders, that's kind of the board members, you know, in that locker room. Our best team was when our seniors controlled that locker room and did such a good job in getting the freshmen in line, the sophomore, the little trouble guys are having trouble. Man, when you have that, where your seniors and juniors are taking control and doing what you what you know that's right, now you've got something really special. Yeah, the notes I put down, yeah, you got to love your players, relate to your players. You've mentioned that over and over just in the 40 minutes we've been talking. And then I like that you finished with player-led thing on there. Dan, I didn't mean to cut you off. I did have one other question on this or kind of on this topic too is, and Daniel brought it up with the numbers, especially even in our own state of Arkansas. Um, you know, what part of that I think is every sport. I'm not just 
picking on football. Every sport, and Coach, you started off the podcast talking about they're going to one sport year-round, one sport year-round. So that's obviously playing a big role, and we can't – I can't speak for basketball coaches. I'm, I don't coach that sport. But you're seeing, like, football, you know, it, it seems as though it's almost turning into a year-round sport. Uh, it's very, very close with a seven-on-seven circuit. You have, like, summer. We have team camps all the time. You have the season. And so – as a younger coach, I made a lot of mistakes and I'll kind of overcook the steak a little bit. That's what our guy, Tony Holler says, the feed the cats guy. I kind of burnt the steak a little bit and we were dead tired in October. So it took me a while to kind of figure out. So, you know, if you had some advice to a younger coach, cause I know at the collegiate level, it's gotta be even crazier than that. I can't, I can't even imagine, you know, what would you tell those guys to not burn their kids out? Right. Right. I, I think that is a great, great point. Coaching point, especially, one of the things I always felt good about when Coach Saban I used to ask me in the in the spring, how does your team stay so fresh in November? And I, coming from him was a compliment. And we would do – we always thought less was more. Once we hit about October, about that mid-year, they've been there all summer long. It's not like they go home for summer. They're there year-round working out, training. As you say, they're zeroed in. And we were in great shape. But we had this game that was seven overtime, the longest game. Where I'm talking about when we did real overtimes. We played Eli Manning in Oxford. That game was at 830. That game didn't get over, guys, to midnight. And I never will forget Tony Bua. He takes that pizza after getting that celebrated locker room. That pizza was hard as a rock. I said, don't worry about it, guys. I saw a Burger King up the road. We got to drive back to Tupelo to fly home. We're going to stop at Burger King. We're going to get us some Whoppers. It was the best bus ride ever. But that next week, though, do what you're what you're talking about. That next week, we knew we used a lot of emotion in Oxford, Mississippi. And now we're going to play 1130 a.m. Saturday. We cut every – used to be the practice periods were out 20 to 24 periods, five-minute periods, about two hours, 15-minute practice. All of a sudden, we went from there to 14 periods. And I had coaches looking at me, Coach, 14? 14. And we're going to get this done. And that, that's 15 minutes of special teams. So, man, I mean – you better get it. And what we did, though, we got our legs back. And all of a sudden, I called the players and I said, guys, we're going from 24 periods to 14. And they're looking at me like I'm crazy. What? Coach, 14? Here's the deal. You better make sure that you are laser focused. You better make sure you're going. All of a sudden, they're geared up. Like, we're going 14 periods. You get off the feet. Now, they got bought in. It helped us immensely, guys, the cutting that thing down. And what's amazing, our coaches found out, you know what, we can get it done. You know, we might have to go out there maybe a little bit before do a little walkthrough, but we saved those legs and got it back, especially that long game Saturday taught us something because nobody really expected us to be ready. That 1130 that following week didn't expect us to be ready. And we did it by cutting down practice, being smart, Boy, get in those pools, get in those cold tubs, and I'm doing all those treatment things. But the bottom line is we cut it. And every coach, if you ask them the first time, they'd say, Coach, we thought Coach Nutt was crazy when he said we're going from 24 periods to 14. He thought we were – He re they really thought I was crazy. But we got it done, and I'm convinced. So ever since that time, we started going about mid-October. Once we knew we were, we were in shape and we're getting ready, we said, guys, we're going to cut it down. But – that doesn't mean we wouldn't start a period over ever so often. Mm -hmm. uh, that, that period didn't count, fellas, because you went through the motion. You didn't get us what we needed, right? So you always have some of those days. But 
overall got their legs back. Love it. Uh, Coach, I want to go back. You, you talked about the Jordan Addison situation and, and how he got, you know, pulled over with NIL and, and the coach at Pitt couldn't, just couldn't match. Um, and I, I don't really want to talk about the NIL side, but the, the, on the recruiting side, do you feel like you're having to recruit your own, that coaches nowadays have to recruit their own locker room more? I mean, is it, you're talking about relationships and, um, yes, I, I've got to make them work hard to be good on Saturday or Friday or Sunday or whatever night I'm playing them. Um, but kind of how does that relationship change when I can't just get them in and their names on a piece of paper and they're mine for four years? Now, like I every day, I got to prove to them I still want them here. Well, that's that's a great question. That's what's different, and you know, where they can at any time go put their name in the portal. And again, I don't know all the rules now. I know there's certain times they can put in, go out. I I, you know, I don't know that. hadn't kept up with that part of it, but. Um, that, you know, that again, to me, it, it, it comes back to that relationship. And I know that could be coast hub, but I mean a true, true relationship where there's communication. And I tell you what, that assistant coach, you know, we all used to tell every one of our co hey, you're the, you're the head coach of these 10 receivers. You're the head coach of these 12, 15 linemen. Man, you are the point man. And so I'd always try to, make sure, hey, which one of these guys not having a good day today in the offensive line group today? And I try to go zero in. and Or if somebody was getting – if a coach was getting on one, you try to go make sure that, hey, you're going to try to lift him up before that sun goes down. You know, it's things like that. But, again, I want to be honest with them and tell them, okay, if I set you in this uh, – I'm going to put two chairs in front of the team. In this chair – when I put you in this chair, you're the football player, and I want you to have the attitude, hey, coach, coach me hard. Coach me real hard because I'm going to coach you extremely hard. If I say run through that line, run through that line, if I say get in that A gap, i got to have you in that A gap. And if I say protect the ball, that's the most important thing we have. we got to protect it with three points of pressure. Okay, get in this other seat. And I put him – I demonstrate, okay, he gets out of this football seat. I said, he's in the other seat. Now, guys, this seat is just the student athlete seat. Hey, how's your mom and dad doing? I heard you caught a six-pound bass. Oh, that's awesome. And that's kind of talk where I get back in the other seat. Then I have to get back in the other seat in front of the player. I watch film, and you're supposed to block the outside line of the leg of the linebacker. You didn't get there. You just kind of went through the motion. You got to go attack that full uh, linebacker as a fullback. You know, I'd get, on, get back in the other chair. Hey, I heard your girlfriend came up last weekend for the game. You know, it, it's that kind. Of, here, here's here's the here's the student athlete. Here's the guy. Here's the relationship we have. But when we're when we're in between these white lines, guess what? I'm gonna coach you hard, and I need you to be able to have that attitude. Hey, coach, why are you getting on me? No, that's not the attitude I want. The attitude I want is, hey, coach, coach me harder because I know you're getting me better. You know, that's that's to me is what you're trying to get over to a young man. And I, hey, I know it's not easy. It's not easy at all, especially with distractions. And there's a lot of distractions out there. Yeah, I'm going to say, too, Coach, so as you're saying this, all I'm thinking about is, one, that's how we all want to be, coaching like they're on our own son. Well, this year will be my first year. My son will be a sophomore. And so figuring out how not to call him in my room at home and look at film and those two <laughs> chairs become a little more difficult when you live with them. So any advice on that one? Yes, yes, yes. That's a great one. Now, um, I would tell your son, number one, that he will be the most looked at teammate yep. because of his last name. And that's okay. 
I'm proud to have you on my team, son. But just know this, those other 50 or 60 guys, they're watching. They're watching how you go through practice. They're watching. Oh, that's a coach's son. And if they see you going hard, ooh. If they see you take a lazy step, guess what? They'll know that one too. And so I would let him know, coach, that can't help it because of your last name. Your last name, you're going to be watched more than any other person. may not be fair, but they're watching you first. That's okay. I would embrace it because uh, I don't think there's anything like having your son there. And especially, you know, when he is – up front and, and playing hard and helping his teammates win is man, there's not a greater feeling in the world. And that's the respect you want. But on the flip side of it, it's also sometimes it can be unfair. I've seen it where that's a coach's son, you know, he getting pitted. No, he's not getting pitted. Uh, he's doing everything you're doing in the weight room. He's doing everything you're doing in the sprints, you know? So just know they're going to be watching him. It's not easy, but I, I think it can be a great, great time. Thank you, Coach. All right, Coach. I think we've uh, we've pretty much asked all our questions. So we're going to bump into our uh, what some people may consider the favorite part of the podcast. We're talking about what not to do as a coach. And uh, Coach Simpson's going to introduce our subject here. And if you have anything to say on it, by all means, jump in. Uh, coach Simpson, why don't you tell us about the lesson of the day? Sure. Okay. So, Coach, now we do this every episode. I just kind of do a do not do this kind of thing for coaches. And so this one, kind of bringing you on here, made me think about it. Uh, you mentioned some of your other coaches that were your models, Jimmy Johnson. And so you saw a lot of these guys in my mind. So our lesson for today is do not think you've arrived. A lot of times as a coach, we think we've done X, Y, or Z. So therefore, we've kind of reached whatever we are and we're and others are beneath us. And what I've always thought was really cool about you specifically and a lot of these other coaches you mentioned uh, was the way they would embrace ideas brought from anybody you know it's going to help us when you mentioned Nick Saban now I promise you 30 years ago he wasn't bringing out fruit kebabs and handing those things out to people you know but he is now because somebody probably some young guy who knew brought it to him and he said well that's a good idea it can help us win so lesson today was do not think you've arrived because help can come from above We're bringing on coach nut you guys are probably getting great information from him but it also could come from your 21 year old right out of college assistant, you know, so go to anything to kick in on that before we go over to go over to sponsorships and all that stuff. You know what, coach? I love that. I love it. It's so, it's such truth right there. It's so good. We can all learn from everybody. And I love the way you phrase that. And I would always say this too, you know, Hey, look guys, I may be the head coach, but all of y'all have suggestions. You have suggestions. And then once we decide on something, we decide. It's so easy to go get in a corner with two or three coaches and shut the door and say, hmm, I confess it's your fault. Not my <laughs> fault. It's your fault. And you start bickering and this and that. Should be doing this. Put everything out there. We Hey, we may need you. We won't always use every suggestion, but there may be one thing. Just like you said, Cole, there may be that 21-year-old that we learn something and taste it that's going to help our team win on Friday night. You don't know where it's going. It may come from a senior. We may not tell him that we're using his idea, but he may had mentioned something to coach. Hey, coach, we do this or that. We may we can learn from everybody. So that's exactly right. But once we decide on something, I think it's so important that it's a hundred percent in. Yeah, anybody can sit there and second guess on Monday. We've all we all have the. I used to go tell booster clubs, hey guys. 
y'all don't mind, give me all your good plays, guys. Friday night before Saturday. A lot of y'all have great plays on Monday. I don't need them on Monday. Give them to me Friday night before Saturday. Well, this is what I'm saying to coaches, Coach. Hey, Coach, give me some good stuff now. And it's a, a suggestion. But once we say, hey, we're going with this format or this idea, there's nothing like it. We can learn from everybody. Right. I love it. <laughs> Be a quarterback on uh, on Friday, huh? Quit being a quarterback on oh, Monday. I love it. Oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of more Coach Simpson to take. There's a lot on Monday. <laughs> I have a lot of them literally about three plays after I called it. So they're here on Friday, but it's a little delayed. So. <laughs> it's the internet connection. You got to check that internet connection at the stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Well, uh, Coach Nutt, man, we're gonna we're gonna pitch our ads here again. And we're gonna get out before we do. I just want to yeah. tell you, thank you so much. Um, absolutely a blast having you on, and, and I learned a ton. And I know Coach Simpson's over here taking notes, and and all the guys listening will be too. So thank you very much, uh, Coach thank Simpson. You all for yeah, absolutely, Coach Simpson. One more time, why don't you tell us uh, how we can simplify football for our coaches and our players? Sure, Coaching One on One Podcast is sponsored by Findaway Productions. Findaway Productions also hosts. OffensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com, DefensiveCoordinatorAcademy.com, and FBCoachSimpson.com as well. All things football, if you need material, it's there. You can also go to FBCoachSimpson.com slash podcast, sign up for the next great guests we're going to have and all the other information we're going to have. Awesome. Um, we'll do social media on the way out here. Uh, Coach Nutt, if you don't mind, if, if there's anywhere a person, a guy listening could reach out and pick your brain, where would you like them to contact you at? Uh, probably the email. Okay. The email you have, you have at hdnx01 at gmail.com. Perfect. We will get that on yep. there. Um, you can oh. catch me on Twitter at Coach Chambo OK, uh, and then email me at chamberlainfootballconsulting at gmail.com. Um, I'm pretty quick at getting back because apparently all I do is just thumb through my emails. I don't know. It's, it's <laughs> a habit now. Uh, Coach Simpson, where can we find you at, sir? Um, all things FB Coach Simpson. So FB Coach Simpson is my Twitter handle. Um, and then FB Coach Simpson at gmail.com as well. And Coach Nutt, great honor. Uh, I'm a huge fan of yours and so really excited to get to talk to you. You bet. Enjoyed it, Coach. Thank you. Good luck. Podcast is at Coaching 101 Pod. We want to thank you for being a listener to the Coaching 101 Podcast. We hope you'll join us next week as we continue to make the complex more simple. Please consider subscribing to the show so you'll always know when new episodes are out. We'll leave you with this. It's hard to beat someone who never gives up. No matter the situation, find a way.